I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. We are best friends and dietitians. We have a goal of challenging nutrition misinformation and fitness trends with an evidence-based approach. Each episode, we will dish up our thoughts about the latest facts on a popular health-related topic. We're the Upbeat Dietitians. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Upbeat Dietitians. We have some guests with us today. So we have Sam Previtt and Jenna Warner who are both registered dietitians and intuitive eating counselors who are fighting the good fight against diet culture. Together, they host the What the Actual Fork podcast and own their own private practices, Find Food Freedom, and Happy, Strong, Healthy, Respectfully. Today with Sam and Jenna, we talk all about navigating motherhood through diet culture, which is a great episode for our listeners. We just know because Emily and I can't talk about it all that much since we're not mothers. So This one is going to be great for all of our listeners who are mothers and are kind of struggling with navigating that with all the crazy diet culture stuff. So it's a great episode. We hope you enjoy it. We love talking with these gals. Enjoy the episode. All right. Well, Sammy and Jenna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you guys so much for having us. Having us. (laughs) Morning, very early morning episode. Very early. (laughs) Our listeners know it's like the opposite for us. Emily and I always record like at the end of the workday. So there's like natural light coming in for the first time ever. It's weird. If if we look better than usual, that's why if you end up watching this on YouTube. But thank you for being here. We're so excited. Um, Today we're talking about a new topic for our listeners. And I think it's going to be a really important one because Emily and I can't speak to it personally. We're not mothers. We were joking beforehand before you guys got on that we have mothers, so we can relate in that way. Like we've come from mothers, so we know how diet culture has impacted them, but we haven't had that personal experience. So we're excited today to go into that and talk about how to navigate motherhood in like such a diety and weight centric culture. Um, Mm -hmm. Before we do, will the two of you kind of walk us through like what a day in the life looks like, what you do, hobbies, all that fun stuff. Sam, you want to go first? Sure. Why not? <laughs> um, so a day in the life. Wow. It never looks the same. That's for sure. But uh, so I am a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, certified personal trainer, and the founder of Fine Food Freedom. So that's a virtual private practice made up of a team of intuitive eating professionals. And also, most importantly, the co-host of What the Actual Fork podcast. So There's an array of things from counseling to managing a team, uh, working with a team, social media. Jenna and I talk a lot about on our podcast that we frequent the the TikTok platform. Uh, So social media takes up a lot of it. And then PR, you know, uh, I have actually four work trips coming up in the next like two months. So that's stressing me out. Um, But work from home life. And then as Jenna and I said, before we, we clicked record between I have daycare, Jenna has a nanny, lots of sicknesses flying around. So currently my nine month old daughter is homesick. So you think you have a plan of what you're going to do for work. And then your child's like, ha just kidding. So you just never know what you're going to get over here at the private household. I think for me, 
So I actually, I'm only working part-time hours. Um, I am Jenna Warner, registered dietitian, owner of Happy Strong Healthy, and um, co-founder of the Dietitian Business Collective, and co-host of the What the Actual Fork podcast. Um, I chose to work part-time hours after I had my son because being a stay-at-home mom was always something that I thought that I wanted, um, and I wanted to give that a shot to some extent, but in my heart, it leaving my career fully just wasn't something that I could do. I worked so hard to get to where I am and I wanted to keep a piece of it, but it's really hard <laughs> to do it all. And flexibility has become one of my greatest strengths and also continues to be my biggest weakness. And I think that that's something that motherhood has taught me overall. In addition to the topic that we'll cover today um, was a big teacher in my motherhood journey as well. Um, but like I said, so I work part-time from home with my son with a nanny who is sick today. So I hear his pitter patter in the background or like literally right behind my office. Um, hopefully you guys don't. Uh, he's too, lots of high energy. It's really fun. It's an absolute blessing to be able to be here for all of the firsts and the things and to share them with him. But Again, you know, you watch a lot of TV shows. I don't know if you guys watch the show Sex Life. I loved that show, but there was an episode on that recently <laughs> um, where, you know, one of the women said that she chose to to be a mom after she had her kids and leave her career behind. And, you know, after her kids were grown up, tried to go back into the workforce and it was really hard. And that's something that like this morning when I got that text at 6 a.m., I was like, I should just fucking quit. But, you know, to just quit to come back to it one day because I know I'll want to would be harder. So balancing all of that is my current superpower, I like to say. And I'm terrible at it, but we're still going. <laughs> You're amazing at it. Life just loves to throw terrible curveballs. Like Jenna and I, the last month, if you listen to our podcast, have been completely unhinged. Oh, my <laughs> COVID, norovirus, flu. Uh, the flu, like it's just never ending. So we that's... actually recorded an episode where I didn't know I had COVID yet. And I was, I was like, you sound so sexy. I was like, really? Because I feel like I'm dying. <laughs> oh, I also had double pink. I forgot that one. So like, let's just drop that bomb that like, we're going to talk all things motherhood today. But Jenna and I say like the one thing no one told us, like if you're thinking about having kids you will be sick like all the time nonstop <laughs> and that is like in addition to being a mom in addition to being a dietitian you know whatever so there's not this blue people but and it's not to continue this but there was this like bluey mums instagram post this morning that i saw that was like as a kid i always thought my parents never got sick but i realized they were sick all the time they just didn't have time to be sick so i never oh knew gosh. it you're so right you're so right <laughs> right my mom would like she was a she's a superhero too like I, we always talk about that she works full time i'm one of seven kids so she's just like superhero she's amazing <laughs> i love her um but like when she was sick, like life just went on, like she went to work or was with the kids and everyone else got sick, of course, too. She's caring for like five, six, seven sick kids. It's just, yeah, that's the bomb. Like you said, Sam, of the episode today is just, I think motherhood is hard period. Like in general, it's super tough, but it's actually a good segue into our main topic today. And it's also hard because of diet culture and the weight centric piece of everything too. So I guess the big overlying question to kind of get us started is how does our weight centric diet culture impact mothers in a general sense? Big question. Jenna, I see Jenna like shaking her head. I'm like, where do we start? Where do yeah. we begin? 
Well, it's funny, like even just talking about what we were talking about and then overlaying this question with it, I simply can't imagine being a mother, dealing with all of the things that we deal with, working full time and yet, and then, and like having that extra layer of diet culture of, I need to get um, heavy air quotes. I need to get my body back, right? Like I need to go on a diet. I need to count my calories. I need to get my workout in. Like Jenna said it best before the superpower of flexibility as a mother, like you think you have a plan for the day and you have to be able to adapt and change and be okay with it and come to a place of acceptance. So my head goes to like the first thing I think about is just I have so much compassion and empathy for mothers who are so wrapped up in diet culture still because that adds a layer of stress and expectation that is completely unnecessary but probably feels so valid and so necessary to them in those moments. And just to add on to that too, because that's so true, Sam, the thing that I have a couple, since that having kids, I've attracted more postpartum um, clients in like the recent couple years. And I have one client specifically who said something to me very recently um, that it was so easy to eat and nourish her body and be a quote unquote, because for her, she's not there yet, an intuitive eater. Um, while she was pregnant, because she felt like her body had a bigger purpose. And then now the struggle postpartum that she's feeling, which I know so many women can relate to is, you know, we go back to in their minds, being just a body that's supposed to look a certain way and no longer creating life. So it becomes harder with all of that pressure and you layer on the lack of sleep and the lack of routine and the lack of like just self-care that you might be used to. And it makes it really, really challenging if you are not in a space where you've made peace with food and your body. In addition to the fact that like the early months of postpartum, like I just remember I have this like one very vivid memory of like hysterically crying because like you can't stand up. Like I had a level three tear. I know Sam can relate to that. Like I was bed bound for a little while, like wearing diapers myself, trying to figure out how the fuck to take care of a baby that I like just, you know, never done that before breastfeeding all of the things. And so I was very reliant on my husband to feed me because like, I couldn't do that. And I just remember hysterically crying because he made a snack wrong. <laughs> like, I was like, I don't like this. Like, I don't want it. And like layering on, you know, fear of food and food rules and all of that on top of these emotions can make this phase of your life this season so much more challenging. So I think Sam said it best, like empathy is the biggest word and it making the decision to heal yourself prior to this phase of life for yeah. me personally was the greatest gift I've ever given myself. So true. I can't imagine going through this, like not already healed and, and I use healed loosely. I want to put air quotes on that. Cause like your relationship with food and body is always changing and it's not this perfect like end point or destination, but I just want to piggyback off what Jenna said, like those early postpartum <laughs> months, like you are bleeding, you are leaking, you are just <laughs> crying, like from every orifice. And, um, again, like when I hear stories or see TikToks of, 
you know, women at week three going to a workout class or something. I'm like, what the actual fuck is going on? And again, everyone has their own experience. Maybe they didn't tear. Maybe they had this like magical birth that was nothing like mine, but it just, I can't imagine having that expectation. So for people listening, like it takes at least a year postpartum for your hormones to even regulate and your body to heal your uterus, to shrink back down all of these things, your breastfeeding too. That's another journey that continues to extend the postpartum hormones. So you have, for anyone listening, you have permission to rest, whether you're postpartum or not. But since this is a very specific postpartum episode, like you don't have to get your body back you shouldn't get your body back because you now just birthed a human life out of it and it will never be the same. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. Well, I think the workout example is a really great one. Do you guys have any other, I mean, examples of how I'm sure you do of how diet culture, food, guilt, body shaming, like how those present themselves in motherhood specifically? I think as your children age too, it like, it doesn't get any easier because you start to realize and recognize I have a son, not a daughter, but doesn't make a difference. But I know you see a lot of posts about like, you know, being able to heal yourself so that you don't put diet culture on to specifically the posts are typically about daughters, but I think it's just as important with sons with any child, um, because you are modeling behavior in everything that you do as a parent. And food is one of those things that like you really do most often <laughs> with your kid. Right. So the language that you use around food, the way that you describe certain foods, like all of this starts to matter in ways that it never did before, because you have these tiny ears listening. Like even this morning, my son wanted, only wanted an ice pop for breakfast. And like, instead of me saying like, we don't have ice pop, we don't have sugar for breakfast, which is like something that maybe old versions of me would say, it's like, trying to explain like breakfast foods and like why we need types of energy in the morning. And if you want this ice pop, if you really need it, we can have it with our eggs, right? Like those types of experiences, if you don't have peace with food, if you don't have an understanding of food neutrality, that becomes another level of stress, I imagine, that then pushes on to the next generation. And you can see how that unfolds throughout their little tiny lives. I love that. I love that so much. And I, I feel like we come from different perspectives because so Jenna's son, Noah is over two now, right? He just turned two. Yeah. And Sienna, my daughter is nine months. So although she clearly has ears and is listening to things, she's just developmentally not at certain stages yet. So I still think my brain jumped to things that maybe I'm personally struggling with in ways of, so I'm out of, I would say like the looming postpartum, like that fourth trimester, people call it starting to feel like myself more but I still feel like with my own relationship with food, things are coming up that I just didn't maybe expect. And so for me, it's not necessarily like morality with food, nothing like that. But when you have a mother or when you become a mother, I know Jenna said earlier, recognizing like self-care is so important. 
but it's so hard to prioritize self-care when you are caring for the this tiny human that you just love so much and created. So for me, I noticed like food is feeling right now. And I don't think I've ever even talked about this on our podcast. Um, food is feeling very annoying to me. Like I have peace with it. It's neutral, but I'm like, I don't want to deal with it right now. Like it just feels like an extra thing. Now in my relationship with my husband, he's always been the chef in our house. He loves to cook. He cooks every meal. So I'm so grateful. And I recognize how lucky I am for that in many ways um, that he will like place food in front of me and I can eat it. Um, But I just, I just, that in this this season of life right now food just feels like something else I have to do and so sitting with that and wrecking that as like all right what's going on here let's get curious about this where is this coming from and being able to recognize like hey you still gotta fuel yourself this is an act of self-care and so again how Jenna said like it's been such a great gift that like we have food freedom and we have this awareness of intuitive eating going into motherhood. Because if I didn't, I'd be like, fuck it. I'm not going to eat. Like, I don't have time for this for whatever reason in my brain, it's not being prioritized correctly. Like, obviously if I fuel and nourish myself properly, it's going to make me a better, better mother. It's going to make me a better dietitian, et cetera. So that's one that I think is just so interesting. And I think that plays into as well that like your relationship with food is always changing. It's an, it's a very long journey. So just because like you have food freedom, right? Don't apply morality to food. It doesn't mean that your relationship with food is just perfect and you're never going to have obstacles with it again. Um, So that one comes up for me. And then just the comparison Hmm. of motherhood. I mean, diet culture is one thing. Mom culture is another. Let me you tell you. Just like, <laughs> just like like fitness culture is an additional culture on top of diet culture, right? So it's like motherhood culture, whether it's in your early postpartum days when you have postpartum anxiety undiagnosed like myself and you're Googling everything and texting Jenna at like four in the morning, like, is this normal? Like, what do I do? You know, so there's all the like, first time mom anxieties, but then with diet culture looped into it, it's, well, why don't I look like this person yet? Right. Why am I not working out yet? Why am I not going on walks yet? Why, you know, why am I still in diapers? What, like, like literally your brain will just do this comparison trap of everything and comparison is the thief of joy. So I think that is not only a diet culture thing, but it, it is very valid in motherhood as well. I just, I unmuted to basically say the exact same thing. You read my mind like you normally do, but I would also just say that we are two, you know, anti-diet dietitians who have been on their own healing journeys for many moons <laughs> um, many in many years in this postpartum life that we're both living. And I recognize how the the question that was asked, like di- examples of diet culture, food guilt, body shaming, et cetera, and motherhood, like Sam said, social media exists. This is something that our parents didn't deal with. You know, you, we 
together are not comparing ourselves to people, right? Mm -hmm. You're comparing yourselves to celebrities, to influencers, to mom talk, to all of these things that like never existed before. And with the understanding that we have of what filters and non-reality Instagram versus reality is, right? Like you're comparing your day one to somebody's sixth kid, right? Like all of these things now put this pressure on that is just, it can make this journey so much harder. Mm-hmm. I mean, even for myself, I was, I have cousins that are very close in age to me. And I was the third to have like babies very close in line. And I like saw one cousin who, you know, seemed to be having this like very easy experience in my eyes postpartum. And like, she was back to her routine and like looked a certain way. And I was like, I'm going to mirror that like didn't happen. <laughs> like None of it for me happened. Right. But that's just one example, you know, for somebody who is struggling or has a history of disordered eating or eating disorder, or just any type of, um, struggle with food and body, this phase of life, plus those hormones with the world that we live in today can be very, very challenging. I feel like one, every, both, everything both of you said was so amazing and so great and things obviously Hannah and I don't think about. Um, but being a mom really is being a superhero. And then you add on all of these extra challenges that society just like throws at you. And it's crazy. I, Cause I look back at my mom and I, I had the like perfect, what is it? I forgot the phrase. Like when you like, when everything looks perfect, I'm like, my mom's doing everything so well, but probably not. I was, but like, I had those like kid filters on what you just said, Jenna, though, I feel like is a perfect segue into our next question where you were talking about people who have a history of disordered eating or eating disorders. And you both have gone through, you're in the anti-diet space. You're also dietitians. So you have that education behind you to kind of understand what's going on in your head. But what about people who are not dietitians Um, maybe are kind of in the anti-diet space or not at all. And this is their first time hearing about it. How can they navigate this weight centric diet culture world in motherhood? They're just adding all these components onto the question. (laughs) Um, if they are not, do not have this previous education, where kind of do you think they should start? What do you think they should start thinking about any of that? Love the, love all of these questions. So my head, the first thing that I thought of when you said that is kind of jumping off of Jenna's previous points, coming back to social media, detoxing that social media, right? And we say that all the time, even if you're not in motherhood, but the same thing goes for in motherhood. You should be following all of the anti-diet intuitive eating accounts, health at every size, following people who exist in bodies that don't look like yours, different races, genders, sexualities, diversifying your feed. And then of course, finding we are grateful and lucky that we exist in this time period where there are not only those niches that I just said, but then that specifically go down like a motherhood hole within the haze, you know, an intuitive eating field. So finding accounts that support you, that make you feel pleasant. If you see a post 
and it triggers you into anxious thoughts, even if that creator that wasn't their intention, mute, mute their account, unfollow them for right now. You don't need to be seeing that. Um, so, so that would be a huge one that, that comes to mind for me. And then finding your support system, whatever that looks like for you, like Jenna, Oh my God, I could probably get emotional right now. I feel like never cried on a podcast before. Holy shit. Here we go. So Jenna was that person for me that I could just like voice memo in the middle of the night. And um, damn, Jenna. So we were very unhinged. So let's add that in. But oh. I'm not apologizing for my emotions. I'm Please working don't. on that in therapy. So it's, you know, in addition to Jenna, I had other, uh, other few moms that were like on almost the exact same postpartum journey as me with like their kids ages. So we were in those, you know, first weeks and months together where it's, it's voice memoing each other in the middle of the night to know like, oh, okay, you don't have to get back to me right away. But like they're, they usually were responding because they were also up, you know, at 3am. So just finding people that have the same morals and values and heart as you, where you can show up as your authentic, messy self and know that you're going to have a safe space to do that. So not only with friends, but then also professional support. So whether it's finding intuitive eating dietitians, obviously we have many on this podcast (laughs) right now. So finding professional support because just because you know how to eat like hand to mouth choose swallow digest absorb does not mean that we know how to have peace with food um and so in addition to your own like unit of support finding that professional support as well well it'll be hard to add anything onto that one but <laughs> but the only thing that she didn't say that i would add on to is just communication so if you're having a child whoever your partner is during that process i think it's really important to be honest with them about how you're feeling and what you need i think for myself personally i've shared on our podcast like i I was told once when I was deep in my disordered space that I would never get pregnant because of my own disordered habits. Mine was more fitness, but obviously fitness and food went hand in hand. Um, And I never voiced that to my husband and how that impacted that whole process. So when I got pregnant, which was, you know, a blessing and also a surprise at the time that those feelings and emotions of how my body was changing and how I was feeling felt really heavy. And if I wasn't able to voice that to him, I know that my experience pregnancy and postpartum would have been a lot more challenging than it already was. So I think really what I'm trying to like button up here is communication with someone that you trust, hopefully your partner, if you're having a child with them is so important because they don't know as, as much as they love their children and as much as they love their role, hopefully as a parent, they don't know what it's like to actually carry and create the baby and to push it out. Like, you know, and like to have that whole experience. So I love my husband. He is an absolute, the greatest father in the entire world. 
And he says to me, even to this day, like, I don't know what's going on in your head, right? So like, you have to talk to me. So when it comes to being a parent and sharing responsibility and also dealing with, you know, your old feelings about food and body coming up because they never will go away in recovery. It's how you handle them. Right. So, you know, knowing that they're going to pop up, being able to explain what you are feeling and what you need from that person, I think is the best advice I can give you. And if you can't do that with them one-on-one, that's okay too, but find a way to improve that communication. Like we went to therapy prior to pregnancy. And I think that that helped so much with the ability to share emotions and be able to communicate because listen, the postpartum anxiety, depression, rage, anger, all of those things that I experienced, like if I couldn't tell him, like, I don't hate our child. I'm just freaking the fuck out right now that nothing in my life feels consistent or enough. And I don't have a grasp on anything and I'm unraveling right now. Like this is what I'm feeling. If I couldn't say that, I don't even want to know like where I would be right now. Like, but it, it's so important to be able to like know, expect and not question what you're feeling, but to be able to communicate it with somebody that you trust. Yes. Oh, this episode is going to be just like a gold mine for our listeners <laughs> because we say, haven't gotten everything. to discuss this. Like <laughs> yeah. they're going to be probably like bawling their eyes out. Like they're going to just love this so much. So you guys are just giving out such great information. We appreciate it so, so much. Um, I'm grateful. Uh, um, I think that's kind of like a general good place to end for like our big overarching questions that we have for you guys. But we want to kind of leave this space here now to allow you to kind of add anything else that we maybe have missed, like any questions that um, maybe we didn't ask you have something you want to answer anyway um, to kind of speak on any, any other topics on this. So. Yeah. Well, I want to add to what Jenna had just said as well. It, it got me thinking that if we have listeners that maybe don't have children and, or are maybe considering having children one day, pretty much every single thing we've spoke about you can apply to right now. Like it's just that motherhood, I feel like adds this additional like dynamic to it. So everything that Jenna was just speaking on reminded me of, I believe it's principle number eight. I don't have the numbers memorized, but coping with emotions with kindness with intuitive eating is all about being able to name what you're feeling and say, what do I actually need right now? And not only does diet culture make that very hard to do, but also I'm a recovering people pleaser. I know a lot of women can also agree with that. Not that only women are people pleasers, but the way our society teaches us to be the good girl, be the polite person, you know, don't share your opinion, stay in line kind of thing. And so when you people please, you end up resenting the people that you shapeshift for because you don't actually want to do whatever is going on or, or I don't know if I'm necessarily voicing that the right way, but that's what I thought of when Jenna was speaking is, is the communication. It, it's like, that should be number one. Like, yes, the things I said were important, but like, let's like talk, like really highlight what Jenna said, because not only in your postpartum days, but in marriage, being able to like, like, I love how you share Jenna and I'll happily share too. Luke and I went to therapy before having children, 
we also went through four, took four years of infertility from the moment Sienna was born. And we went through three rounds of IVF. So the amount of communication, understanding that had to be worked on. And it isn't it crazy that therapy is literally just communicating to other humans, but like, we're not taught that usually, unless you have a parent who was a therapist or understood emotional intelligence and whatnot. So those are things that I think are so important to highlight again, because doesn't matter where you are in your journey of life or what season of life you're in communication, whether it be with a partner or just other human beings in general is like one of the most important skills that you can master um, and not master, but work on and practice. Uh, and so I'm so happy you brought that up, Jenna, because I thought that was just such a wonderful point. That's such a great add on. I think the only other thing that I would add on is Two things. One, I don't want to scare any <laughs> future parents because motherhood is legitimately the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It's I'm been... so glad you said that. Share, <laughs> right? share something that you love about motherhood and I will too, because we need yes. to like make sure people aren't scared because it's I fucking hard, you, but it's great. I will tell you it's the days like today where like I had something every hour on the hour of the day. I'm prioritizing what I can, but like I'm so excited at 10 o'clock to go to Gymboree with my son. We went yesterday and he didn't stop moving for legitimately 45 minutes. Every parent was like, is he sweating? I'm like, he sure is. But like, it is such a gift if you're able to understand that flexibility and like roll, roll with it, which is something I've never in my life been good at. And so Noah Taylor Warner is two years old and in his two years of life has taught me more than any human on this planet. And the biggest gift that he has given me besides his life itself is the lessons of being flexible because it is the key to life. Like nothing is going to go your way and you can learn this lesson without having children. But the way that he has taught me this is like, such a gift. And because I've fucked up so many times along the way and his unconditional love has taught me to be a better person. So I think it is the biggest gift. It is the biggest stress. It is the most beautiful, like way to experience emotions in life. And also, you know, I am lucky enough. I know Sam feels the same way to have a partner who I love watching become a parent too. It's like completely changed our marriage in challenging and beautiful ways. Um, but that is just an incredible thing. So I just want to make sure that that's very clear. I know Sam will add on to that as well, but the only other thing that I would add to this episode is <clears throat> this also came up with one of my clients and it's something that I've learned myself is as women specifically, we need to, in these postpartum days, redefine the word enough. And so nothing will ever again hurt feel like enough because of the world that we live in. And I want you to know whatever you do when you're taking care of another life is enough. And I think that that's something that I've learned over and over again, again, as like in recovery from a very severe fitness obsession, I think you would call it eating disorder. You know, my relationship with fitness 
that still comes up for me as like, was that enough? Like, fuck, yes, it was. But like that understanding of that definition of movement and eating in cleaning your house in what clothes you're wearing in whatever it is to you, getting out of bed in the morning and putting somebody else's needs before your own and also making a little bit of time for yourself is enough. And like, I just need people to know and understand that. Like I used to have like a two hour self-care routine in the morning. Like now I light a candle, I take a deep breath and I'm like, let's start our day, right? And that's enough. In the early postpartum days, I always tell new moms that like, you can't prioritize anything. Make sure you stay hydrated because it's the most important thing that you can do for your body at this time. And if you can do that, that's enough. And like, if we can rewire our thought process to whatever we can do is enough, you will save yourself so much stress. Okay, now mm, I'm done. That was so good. <laughs> Drop the mic there. I'll just add my little tidbit because I'm so happy you brought this back around to like being a mom is so fucking cool and like amazing. And it's also the most challenging thing. But isn't that funny how that's like a parallel with food freedom? Like, like going on a journey of food freedom and finding food freedom and, and truly dismantling diet culture is one of the fucking hardest things. And it's one of the most rewarding things because then you get to actually enjoy life. Oh my gosh, how cool. Um, so I think for me personally, I, I shared a little bit how like we went through three rounds of IVF. We were told it was IVF or nothing. There was no way to get pregnant and IVF is not a guarantee. I only knew IVF in like a celebrity world before I went through it. So I was like, oh, like, we'll just like have a kid. It'll be great. Um, but it's not a guarantee. And we had some failed rounds. So when like Sienna was actually born and, and even now every day, I just stare at her and I'm like, how are you real? Like you were in a Petri dish. I don't understand. You were outside of my body. And then they put you back in like, holy shit. And that like understanding, like I didn't know much about conception before IVF. Cause again, we don't learn much. Like that's our culture. Um, we are all miracles, like every single human being. And so not only like my daughter, do I just stare at her and I'm like, your eyelashes, your nose, like that is like, everything's crazy. But like all humans now, I just like look around and I'm like, we were all such miracles. And life is like, this is very broad, but like life is so short and it is such a miracle. So this bringing it back to diet culture and motherhood is just like, enjoy we, we all want to be present and enjoy life. I think we can all agree with that. And so that's why it is so important to show up, give yourself grace and be, be enough in whatever way that that means to you. So I just went on a really weird tangent there, but I just feel like we're all miracles, like all four of us miracles. Freaking I love wild. that. I love it <laughs> so too. wild. <laughs> I, was I get saying, like weird, like inception places yeah. where like, it's just so weird. It's just wild. Um, I was going to say, you guys must be podcasters with the way that you like tie everything together so well, like yeah, food, freedom, say. diet culture, motherhood, positive, negative. It's just so great. I feel like this has been just a great episode. Well, ladies, thank you again so, so much for the early wake up call and coming on today. It's been such a pleasure having you and talking about this very sensitive, but very important topic. We, again, our listeners are going to love this episode. Um, 
why don't we wrap this up by letting our listeners know where are where they can find you at? They want to hear more. Well, we have to have you guys on our podcast. We'll have to do another early morning wake up and you can find Sam and I both on Instagram at what the actual fork pod or wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, what the actual fork pod is where you can find us weekly on Fridays. I personally am at happy, strong, healthy.rd on all the platforms. Um, I don't know which is my favorite today. I'm kind of mad at both <laughs> of them, but it's the same username on Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> Yes. And like Jenna said, what the actual fork pod on Insta, you can find us both, or you can find me on Instagram at find.food.freedom or just find food freedom on TikTok. Um, all, all the things you'll see there. All the things. Well, we will link it all below too. So you guys can find it easy. Well, thank thank you you so so much much for coming on. This was an amazing episode. I know our listeners will love it. We appreciate you managing your very busy schedules to come on and we'll definitely make sure that our listeners can check both of you out at everything. So have what we hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode. Have a wonderful rest of your day and we will see you guys next week. Next week. Bye guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in on this episode of the Upbeat Dietitians with your hosts, Emily Krause and Hannah Thompson. We appreciate you all so much for continuing to support us. In order to support us and sustain the success of this podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. If you'd like to provide us feedback for future episodes and guest stars, follow us on Instagram at the Upbeat Dietitians. Lastly, you can show us support by providing a monthly donation using the link at the end of our bio. Once again, thank you so much for listening today and stay tuned next Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.